Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Chelsea Frank Lampard to my Derby Frank Lampard. It's Justin Peach. Hello Ryan. There's still not too much difference between those. Well Justin, the one comparison you could make between us and Frank Lampard on both occasions is that we haven't actually earned the position that we're in. Justin, how are you? I'm I'm very good, very, very good. I'm I'm really confused by the football, mainly because I, I was expecting a full fixture of games and then sort of catch up um, last night and there wasn't. Yeah, it was just six games, which is really messing with this show. I don't know who's in charge of it, but they've clearly got something against us because we've had four games at the weekend and now we've only got six in the midweek games. But nonetheless, we are still here to serve you, listener, in giving you your dose of championship action. You are listening to the biggest championship-specific podcast, The Second Tier. Thank you for joining us, wherever you are. Uh, This is a midweek edition, edition of The Second Tier, where we give you a rundown of all the games from Tuesday and Wednesday night in the championship but more importantly before we get onto that Justin you told me just before we start recording that you managed to trap your little toe in the door just before you came into the studio yeah so okay that's a nice little story to start the podcast with um obviously we record quite early um in my haste to make a coffee get the laptop set up etc I rammed my I rammed the bathroom door on my little toe and it got trapped under I, I had to pull it out for some reason, I didn't push the door. I pulled my toe out, and it was horrible. <laughs> and how is your little toe now? It's actually throbbing. It's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> Superb. Well, let's crack on with some games then, Justin. And we'll start with a massive game at the top of the Championship at the Liberty Stadium between Swansea and Brentford. It finished one all, despite Swansea being down to ten men for the last twenty minutes of the game. When you consider the man advantage and some of the chances Brentford had. They'll be disappointed they didn't get all three points here, won't they? Massively, massively. And one, just one quick point on this. You know, hats off to Sky for selecting Hibs Rangers. Uh, yeah, what's Instead that of this game, because this game, I was what I think it was Andy Hinch- Hinchcliffe covering it on Sky, and it sounds like a really good game. So yeah, thanks, Sky. You knobheads. <laughs> well, also with that. The SPL is a bit of a one-sided league at the moment, isn't it? Rangers are absolutely exactly. running away with it. So why would you wouldn't have the game on between two teams fighting for promotion in what is a very tight promotion race in the Championship this season? I have no idea. Uh, you, you say it was a great game. It was very one-sided. Swansea had just two shots to Brentford's 21. Um, but Swansea did a job, really, on Brentford. It was a... Uh, it was... Well, the, the big talking point from the game was Swansea's goal, where David Rea was... He, he was challenged for the ball that was put into the box, wasn't he? And, um, well, Brentford was saying he was obstructed, but I wasn't too sure about that. What were you? What were your thoughts? It's interesting when you say Swansea did a job. They they definitely did a job, and then they some. They targeted David Rea all, all game. I saw some of the t- uh, challenges on him, which... Doesn't normally happen to a goalkeeper, so it, you can say that he's, he's very influential to how Brentford play with his distribution. So I think that's one of the reasons why. But the, the goal, the Swansea goal, for example, it was it was a clear elbow to the face, not a not a nasty elbow, you know, the ones we see that are deliberate. It was perhaps deliberate to try and stop him, but there wasn't a lot of contact. But for me, it was a foul, and it shouldn't have been a goal. I wasn't so sure. I thought I thought it was a fair goal. I mean, 
when it comes to goalkeepers getting too much of an advantage when it comes to those situations, I'm usually one of the people who defends goalkeepers. You're um, a former goalkeeper yourself. I am a former goalkeeper. Field lane, under 16 extraordinaire. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in this case, I did think it was a completely fair challenge. I uh, do think goalkeepers do get maybe too much of a fair share. If, if we're talking about a spectrum of challenges on goalkeepers, that was towards the rougher end for me. There are softer ones that get given. Um, but I think the fact that Jake Bidwell's elbow goes into David Rea's face, it's it's incredibly... I, I, I think it's an, an obstruction for David Rea to get the ball because it's no one got any contact on it, um, on it from a Swansea perspective. It goes straight in from Conor Hurahane. That means it's gone straight through David Rea's um, line of where his hands up, where hands would be, where he gets it. But before he can get his hands up there, he gets an elbow to the face. For me, in any area of challenge, when you get an elbow to the face, that's a that's a free kick. I mean, we could, spend all, we could spend all day on this talking about it. Oh, Either yeah. way, it is a, a one point each for both sides. And I think, in a way, the fact that Swansea have managed to come out of this with a point despite being down to 10 men for the last 20 minutes of the game, I think it shows how good a coach Steve Cooper is because you don't really associate Swansea with being a bit of a shithouse side, but they've managed to do it on this occasion. And I think it shows the uh, versatility that Steve Cooper has as a coach where um, he knows they're not necessarily going to win the possession game. Um, I know Swansea are a very good possession side, but Brentford are equally as good, if not better. And he's managed to come out of it and get a point. Um, do you agree with that? I do. I think he's developing as a coach. That comes with experience. There's not many too. There's not too many young coaches that get that experience like Steve Cooper's got now. And um, credit to Swansea for sticking with him because there were times. I think last season where fans were getting impatient, but they stuck with him, and he's he's starting to to reap the benefits with that team. Definitely. Swansea is still second on 47 points. Brentford just two points behind on 45, but have got a game in hand. Let's move on to one of the biggest shocks, maybe not just of the midweek games, but possibly of the season in the championship, Justin. Middlesbrough nil, Rotherham three. I think, if anything, sums up how unpredictable this damn league is, then this has got to be it, because Middlesbrough's home form is outstanding. Well, Rotherham haven't won in a good couple of months uh, away from home. And here we are seeing them cruise past a very sturdy Middlesbrough side. I don't think it's that much of a surprise. I think with Borough's um, injury, not, not crisis, but a fair few first-teamers out injured. And Rotherham, obviously Rotherham beat Derby the other week away from home. Um, and I think before this, they'd only won four games away from home. I don't think it's that much of a surprise based on how Rotherham are playing at the moment. Um, in midweek they were great uh, sorry that the weekend they were great um, they're a side that are getting better with every week and that's that's down to Paul Warren the, what, what he's getting out of those players it, it, it does remind me of some old Warnock teams uh, this old Rotherham team for example the, the way they're running for each other is, is fantastic and um, this was a comprehensive win with some key players playing very very well well the thing is Rotherham could have had more it could, the scoreline could have been um, even bigger than it was. And that's an amazing thing to say when you consider um, how you would have expected Borough to get three points before the game. Uh, you say this Rotherham side reminds you of an old Warnock side. I'll tell you who it reminds me of. And um, you tell me if you agree. It actually reminds me a bit 
of Wigan from last season because it's an unfashionable team. It's and I don't mean this with any disrespect. It's an unfashionable coach in Paul Warren as well, but he's managing to get the best out of this side and halfway through the season you'd have probably said Rotherham were almost destined to get relegated but now you look at the state of things they've got loads of games in hand and I think they've got a decent chance of staying up the way they're playing at the moment their their performances are very good even if the results aren't necessarily going their way and I'm starting to think they could go on not as much of a Wigan style run from last season because that run from Wigan in terms of results was extraordinary. Yeah. But they could very well put a, a, a series of decent results together and climb out of the relegation zone. What do you think? It's an interesting question. Someone asked me that last night and I disagreed with them. Um, mm. But the point you made actually sort of swung me around a bit. They are you, you are right in saying they are a little bit like Wigan. I think the difference with Wigan is they had a, I think they had a better calibre of player. And that's no disrespect to to, to Rotherham. They had the, you know the likes of Kiefer Moore, Jamal Lowe, Sam Morsey. These are these are all players who were went for would have gone for five six million pounds had it not been for yeah. the the financial crisis at um, at, at Wigan. Um, with their ownership, but yeah, they, 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 there is a lot to like about them. They don't play direct football as you'd associate with um, a Rotherham side with the players that they've got. A lot of big players. They play really quite high pressing kind of football. It's not to the same extent like a Barnsley, for example. But the way they press teams and the way they work their game plans is really, really good and really, really clever. Um, and I think there's there's got to be more value and light shine, uh, shine on this Rotherham side. Yeah, they get in your face, don't they? But they, well, they do. have got also got some talented players. The likes of Barlazer in midfield is an outstanding player. Matty Crooks was fantastic yesterday. On yeah. Sunday, he's another player I'm a massive fan of. So there is a lot to like about this Rotherham side. Just quickly on Middlesbrough, Justin, because this is a shocking result, really, isn't it? And they, they are going through a bit of a sticky patch at the moment, aren't they, Middlesbrough? There was plenty of frustration from Neil Warnock at the performance after the game. And there's also been a lot of frustration from him in terms of their transfer business as well. Um, I mean, there was frustration from him about their transfer business in the summer as well, but he's really struggled to get players in in January. And he's even admitted that he's tried. He says they missed out on two players in the last 24 hours or 48 hours in terms of when we've started recording this podcast. Um, one player he's mentioned potentially coming in is Yannick Bellassi. Do you think that would work? Yeah, I think so. Um, you, I think it was at, it was at Aston Villa, wasn't he? Two, three seasons ago now. He's had quite a few spells, hasn't he? And yeah. it seems like ages since he actually had a home and was playing regular football. I think you're talking when he was at Palace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the way Warner gets um, the best out of players, you'd, you'd start to see a Palace form Balassi, which is frightening for other teams. But I, I go back to his, his Villa time um, and his loan got cut short, bizarrely, um, probably because of salary I imagine he's, he was on a fair whack at Everton mm. um, so yeah he, he would be a very good signing but I think there's uh, Borough side needs a lot more the scoring goals is still an issue um, creating chances isn't necessarily the main one but yeah, scoring them is well you say scoring chances they've had Ashley Fletcher come back which you'd hope would 
help out in that um, in that department because they've been lacking a goal scorer all season, creating plenty of chances, just lacking someone finishing them off. And now he's back after having quite a bad injury. Uh, but I think Yannick Balassi would also be a very, very good signing if they manage to get back to form. Uh, let's go to Mick McCarthy's first match in charge for Cardiff, Justin. That was away at Barnsley. It finished 2-2 with Cardiff coming from two goals down. Uh, Barnsley were the better team and will be disappointed they couldn't hold on to the win. But for Mick McCarthy to get a team low on confidence, uh, to get a point when two goals down and playing one of the most efficient sides in the league, you've got to give him props, haven't you? You have, and we saw two things last night that we haven't seen from a Cardiff side this season or seen very often from uh, from a Cardiff side this season. Number one is uh, a goal from open play. Wow. Yeah, it's a historic moment. Exactly, and and the second one is is uh, a desire to get back into a game, um, because they've they've gone goals down and they've they've not looked like scoring. But you know, credit to them because this this could be I would say a turning point because I don't think they're going to get into the playoffs. But this could be an upturning form for for Cardiff because McCarthy's got to go in and try and balance the ship and potentially try and get into the playoffs. But as I say, it's it seems a, a stretch too far. But what we saw last night was. As I say, something we've not seen for a long time. I think it takes a great deal of man management to get a side low in confidence and drag them back to get a point, um, doesn't it? And Mick McCarthy's probably one of the best man managers in the league. He picked an interesting team, Justin. Sean Morrison and Harry Wilson were both dropped and Aidan Flint played his first Cardiff game of the season, which raised a few eyebrows for me and I suppose most of the Cardiff fan base as well. What do you make of that selection? Well, Cardiff defended pretty poorly all season and it, it didn't change um, in this game at times. I think the the first Barnsley goal was a, was a really nice cross um, from the right, but then Mads Anderson had an uninterrupted run to get onto that on the end of the cross. So it doesn't seem to me that much has changed. Um, it could be a mentality thing. I don't know. I'm not I'm not in that squad or a world-renowned coach, so I, I, I couldn't possibly put my, finger, put my finger on it. But... I think he's trying to get a reaction from the players, which is what new managers want to do. Um, a good example is Thomas Tuchel coming in and making seven changes for Chelsea. Um, they, they come in, new managers, they come in and yeah, they want to try and not upset the apple cart, but they want to make them good players know that they've got a job to get back into the team. Yeah, you, you, yeah it's a case of your place in the team is not safe, isn't it? And you've got to work hard to get back into the team. Harry Wilson was a bit surprising because he's been... Even though Cardiff haven't been doing very well recently and he's not been scoring or contributing to many goals this season, he's still been playing quite well by most accounts. Sean Morrison, I, I, I look at that and I think to myself, maybe it's a case of you pick the biggest um, bloke in the um, <laughs> in the group and just say, right, you're out the team as a kind of way to say, right, I'm in charge here. And what I say what I say goes, basically. Um, I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist, so I don't know, but there you go. Um, Keith Moore got his first goal in nearly two months after missing a lot of it through injury. Do you think Big Mick would be able to get the best out of him? Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think back to players um, Mick McCarthy's managed. Um, well, Keith Moore's one of them. Uh, well, with... Uh, Ipswich. Mick McCarthy. Oh, okay. When um, he was at... Keith Moore was playing for Forest Green, picked him up for what? 10 grand I think um, had a Ipswich he didn't play very much he was just coming off the bench and I'll be honest I was covering Ipswich at the time he looked awful <laughs> <laughs> but um, he's obviously gone on to greater things so Mick McCarthy obviously saw something in him and um, he was right 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, as I say, trying to think back to strikers. Uh, Silver and Ibanks Blake had that one season where he was top scorer, top goal scorer, and didn't. Daryl really Murphy. Daryl Murphy is a really good example because he's a similar physicality to Kiefer Moore. Perhaps mm. I think Kiefer Moore's got a bit more about him, but he turned Daryl Murphy into a 15, 20 goal striker consecutively. Well, Kiefer Moore, you could argue already is a 15, 20 goal striker, but he could make him even better. Um, and that's only good for Cardiff, really, isn't it? Also, a brilliant header by Cully Woodrow for the first goal. Uh, just quickly, because we've really got to move on, Justin. But I was pissing myself at one moment in particular in this game. The ball's gone into the Cardiff box and it's headed away, back out wide to Cardiff's junior Hoyler. He tries to clear it and instead slices it back into danger. In fact, that's not even doing it justice. He's pretty much sliced it into the six-yard box. <laughs> and uh, Barnsley eventually go on to score, but it's ruled out. Um, I have no idea how he can get it so wrong as a professional footballer, but I'm glad he did. This was also Barnsley's first draw since October. They really could have done with a win, though, couldn't they? Because three straight losses before this, albeit against teams in the top six, but the sticky patch was... Um, it's let other teams climb ahead of them. Let's go to Coventry 2, Wednesday nil. It seems like ages since we've seen these two play. Wednesday haven't had a league game since New Year's Day, while Coventry haven't. have only played one game since the 2nd of Jan. So, mad really. But it was a straightforward victory for Cov in the end, wasn't it? It was, and it was down to individual quality. Callum O'Hare, wow. Oh, what wow. The, the turn in assist for the first goal was unreal and the pass for the second was unreal um yeah he's such a good player he's such a good number 10 a free transfer yeah it's shocking that they managed to get him for free the thing is it's it's one of those where we've seen him plenty of times this season pull off those um bits of quality and you think to yourself wow what a player it just doesn't happen enough but if he manages to get a bit more consistency into his game, um, then he could go on to be one hell of a player. As you say, the first assist in particular was just superb. Dancing away from two Wednesday players before playing that inch-perfect pass to Victor Jorquez was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's also a very good young player and has got a big future ahead of him in, uh, in football. Uh, I wanted to focus on Wednesday for a bit because... I feel like their manager situation, as I say, they've only played one game in the month of January and the manager situation still hasn't been sorted out in that time. Um, we kind of saw it happen last season as well, didn't we? When Gary, before Gary Monk got appointed, it was uh, Lee Bullen, wasn't it? Yeah. He was the caretaker yeah. manager. And that took months to uh, eventually get sort out, sorted out. And the same seems to be happening here. Why don't they just appoint a manager now? Because if they don't sort someone out soon then they're going to get relegated, aren't they? Yep, spot on. Um, it's this, it's lack of long-term planning. You look at other sides who have a succession of managers lined up. I think um, an example I've used in the past is Swansea, back when Roberto Martinez was was um, was in charge. They had a, a manager who have a, had a similar style of play, which is why they've gone for Paolo Sosa, Brendan Rodgers, Michael Aldrup, and they, they've reaped the benefits of it. Um, I don't think many teams do it too often nowadays but it's just a lack of long-term planning you look at last season as you say Lee Bullen Derby have suffered this a, a similar fate and it's these teams that are after immediate success that think that they can immediately bring somebody in but who in their right right mind wants to go to a Wednesday team that have had off the field issues this season are down in the bottom three have been down in the bottom three for the majority of the season and 
who cannot create chances. They're a side that who cannot create chances. They, they're unfortunately a team for me that are destined for League One at this rate. Um, so really, it's building on for next season. So it's it's a sorry situation, and unfortunately, it's down to the lack of long term planning, which has been a, an issue for them for the last three or four years. It's hard to disagree. Unfortunately, it's going to take a manager who is either very desperate to get back into football or Wednesday to really fork out and offer them a massive amount of wages for any decent manager to go there. Because if I was a manager and I looked at the situation at Wednesday, I wouldn't want to go there. Look how far off they are from the rest of the league. The chairman has an interesting way of working. Um, It's not a very attractive proposition and the squad itself isn't exactly full of quality either I mean you've got some quality players in there but not all over the pitch there are plenty of gaps in that side and if they had a new manager and if they installed a new manager a couple of weeks ago they could have said right these are the positions we need to strengthen bring in this player this player this player and they could have had a decent shot at staying up if not they get relegated and they're ready to go again in League One and try to go back up straight away excuse me but that's not happened and the fact now that they are coming to the end of the transfer window without a new manager in place I just struggle to see how they're going to pull themselves out of this or at least giving it Neil Thompson till the end of the season yeah at least have some stability and just say right you're in charge for the rest of the season you're the man who we believe is going to at least give us a decent crack of staying up just something just give us some clarity if you just sit in the same position you are now with a caretaker manager nothing's going to get solved just let's have a quick break and then we'll go through all the games from Tuesday night uh, including Millwall Watford and Bristol City Huddersfield It's a little-known fact that when Justin and I record these shows, nine times out of ten, we're wearing a classic football shirt from years gone by. And where do we get them from? Classicfootballshirts.co.uk In fact, as I record this, I'm wearing my PSG shirt with Thiago Silva on the back. Alternatively, I could have worn my Juventus shirt, Dortmund shirt, Blackburn shirt. I could go on. We're big fans of classic football shirts here because they offer you classic football shirts at a great price. And it's not just shirts either. Oh no, dear listener. There's also training wear, tracksuits, shorts, socks, you name it. And I can guarantee they'll have something for your club. So head on over to classicfootballshirts.co.uk or visit them in store in either London or Manchester. Welcome back to the second tier podcast justin how's your toe sorry i'm just looking at it now and i think it's swelling up so good fantastic there's your little toe update ladies and gentlemen we'll bring you another one on sunday if i remember Uh, there was a thorough shit housing at ashton gate as bristol city beat huddersfield 2-1 bristol city had just four shots to huddersfield's 26 you love to see it justin (sighs) yeah this was this was a strange one because as you say they got absolutely battered Absolutely, but it was a, it was a very again a very good game. Um, there was a lot of woodwork being hit. I don't know why I said it like that. Um, <laughs> uh, there was a lot of saves from Daniel Bentley, which is something that we've not, not we're not really surprised by. But yeah, it was it was a very one sided game, and it was a very good ten minutes from Bristol City, which has unfortunately seen them edge a very productive Huddersfield. 
Yeah, it has. For Marco Jesu was the man who got both the goals for Bristol City, just two in four minutes, which is pretty good going, in fairness. Uh, but there's been a lot of talk about his contract situation, Justin, because he wants to sign a new deal. I think his deal expires in the summer. Bristol City fans, especially after this game, were saying, just give him a new deal. As a Bristol City, would you give him a new deal? It's, a, it's an interesting one because there's so many variables. Um, mainly, I think he'll be angling for a little bit more. Um, also, he's, he's made I think he's made seven starts this season, which isn't enough for a for a first team striker. Um, and financially, can Bristol City afford to give him a top a top contract? I don't think they can. They they've thrown money at players in the past. Look at Naki Wells, for example, five million pounds, three year deal for a player who's in the uh, who was thirty when he joined. Um, I can't I can't see it happening. To be honest with you, I think he's going to leave. Um, and it's a shame, but that's the way that the football is at the moment. You can't, they can't, teams can't afford to throw money at players or give players what they actually want. It's it's a shame, but it is what it is. I think as well because he was signed for a decent amount of money initially. Yeah. Once he, I imagine he must be on a fair bit. So with that being said, I can't imagine they. Um, can really afford to keep paying so much for a player who, as you mentioned, hasn't really started that many games this season. The manager might not necessarily be as keen on him as he is on the likes of Chris Martin and what have you. So, unfortunately, we might be seeing the final few months of Mara Jeju, but he is a he is a decent player, isn't he? He's you can if he were to start every single game in a season, you can guarantee he would get at least double figures in a season and he's a decent hold-up player as well so he has got qualities it's just maybe his wage demands aren't necessarily matching up with his actual ability Um, but a good result for Bristol City really isn't it they're still hovering around the playoff places just three points behind Bournemouth at the moment it's very much a win-loss 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 situation in in terms of the form but could they possibly embarrass us when it comes to our predictions uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Justin, when we were saying Bristol City could be the team to drop down the table? I, I want to say yes, because I've, I said it at the start of the season um, that I, I, I do like this Bristol City side. But I think on on the balance of it, probably not. Um, the win-loss, win-loss, there'll be teams that pick up uh, a more consistent run of form. But is this progress from Bristol City? Are we seeing a team that has stepped away from being consistently inconsistent and now they're just... Uh, no, they are cons- they are still consistent and inc- inconsistent, aren't they? Yes, they are. But in it's a better so way. But yeah. in a better way. They're not they're not unbeaten for ten and then losing ten. They're actually winning games more often. Yeah, they are. Um, let's move on to Huddersfield because it's four straight losses for them now. It's a very concerning run of form at the moment, and the Huddersfield fans are very concerned about the way it's going. Just now, I'm going to pose you a question. Do you think Huddersfield could get dragged into a relegation battle? As it stands, they're 14th, but only eight points above the relegation zone. They've played more games than most of the teams below them, and as mentioned, are in a torrid run of form. And they've had quite a few injury problems as well. There are a lot of um, cons going against them at the moment. So I do pose the question, could they be? Could they slide down the table at an alarming rate in the near future? It's, it's an interesting question. I don't think they will. Um, you've got teams like Birmingham, Forest, uh, that have... That are- below them they're they're two sides that are nearer to the relegation zone um and probably more fitting in the profile of a relegation contender the amount of chances Huddersfield created 
against Bristol t- against Bristol City uh, and the amount of chances they consistently create for me is why they're not going to finish in the relegation zone. It's just putting those chances away. Um, I think it was uh, the first. Um, incident in the game where Lewis O'Brien skips through half the Bristol City team and he hits a post. On another day that goes in. It's just a, a little bit of luck that isn't going their way. Campbell hit the bar from a penalty as well. They're, they'll be fine. They're, they're, there's no way they're going to get dragged into a relegation battle. But me saying that now, I've probably jinxed it. I was going to say, no way that they'll get dragged into a relegation battle. I'm it's very quite confident a strong statement. Um, I mean, we've seen in the past, just last season, we had Wednesday and Hull both going on terrible, winless runs. Um, and you can never rule it out with any side in the Championship, really, can you? Uh, with the way Huddersfield are going at the moment, I think they might get dragged into it. It's got to be said, the teams that are down there, as you quite rightly pointed out, uh, some of the teams down there are very poor. <laughs> so it's um, going to take something special for them to actually get relegated. But for them to be looking over their shoulder, I think they might be at the moment. Uh, and it's also worth pointing out the injury problems they've had as well have not helped them whatsoever. Let's go to the final game of the midweek games, Justin. That's Millwall nil, Watford nil. Not a pretty game. Watford had the better chances, but nothing <coughs> substantial. Millwall hit the post in the first half. I think it's a much bigger result for Millwall than it is Watford. Would you agree? Yes, Watford. Uh, Millwall needed this more. I think the fact that they haven't had many clean sheets in the last... Um, uh, well, eight, previous eight, one, one, one clean sheet in the previous eight. So to get a clean sheet against a team chasing for promotion and with the individual quality that Watford have is is a big plus. Um, and one of the things they need to do is just build back on solid foundations because, that, because that's something they haven't done over the last few weeks. So getting back to that principle is is really important. They need to stop drawing games, but these games it's fine to draw. It's the teams that are around them that are, unfortunately has dragged them into a bit of a relegation scare. Yeah, you mentioned how many draws they've had. They've actually lost as many games this season as Reading, which is impressive when one's yeah. 16th while the other one's 5th. Uh, but it, is a, it has been a torrid run of form for Millwall. Just one win in 15, but they've now won and drawn their last two. So it's a bit early to say they've turned a corner, but I think I agree with you. We're seeing positives, aren't they? The defence looks a lot better. Um, I mean, the middle defence has always been a pretty sturdy one, but it was looking a bit shaky during that poor run of form. It's just the going forwards, which is the real issue, isn't it? They, I think Gary Rowe is really struggling to nail down who he, who are his first choice attackers because he's been messing around with it all season. He can't find the best position for Jed Wallace to play. Uh, Kenneth Sahor, Troy Parrott, Bud Varson, these are all strikers who he's been rotating, trying to find out, trying to find one who's got at least a bit of form in them, and none of them have been clicking so far this season. So it's a frustrating time for Gary Rowett, but you should hope that eventually they will find at least one striker who can find the back of the net and they'll start climbing the table. Speaking of strikers who can't find the back of the net, Deeney and Gray. I don't know why Watford are persisting with them, really, because it's clearly not working. Troy Deeney and Andre Gray, between them, they've got one goal from open play this season. And Mm -hmm. we keep seeing them play every single game. And Watford fans are getting very frustrated with it. I completely understand it because they're offering pretty much nothing to games. In fact, this game in particular was like watching Vladimir Ivic's Watford again in the way that 
defensively they were perfect, but going forwards they just offered nothing. And I think that's not a jab at Isco Munoz. I think that's down to Dini and Gray just offering nothing, quite frankly. And I know this is hard to say, but they don't look particularly bothered up front. It's it's just a really sorry state of affairs there. And it's incredibly frustrating to watch, considering we both know how talented they are as players. But I don't think the desire necessarily matches the ability in this occasion. Yeah, you're spot on. They're paid the big money as well. They're paid big big wages um, and they're not delivering. Um, I, I, it made me think back to um, when Watford first got promoted back in 2014-15. They had um, Odin Nogalo, Matai Vidra, um, Forestieri wasn't at there at that point, but he was there the previous couple of seasons. And you look at those sorts of players where... They're very technical players playing around Troy Deeney. Um, they're very technical players playing around Troy Deeney. And Andre Gray, unfortunately, isn't anywhere near that standard. Um, and I think that's where they're suffering. I, I just, it's, 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 it's a big man, little man partnership. But Andre Gray's only scored, you could probably count on one hand how many goals he scored over the last um, season and a half, two seasons. I think he scored and, one goal since lockdown, off the top of my head. Which goes, says well, a lot, and I think even then that was a deflected goal off his arse. <laughs> yeah, but it's just if something's not working, then it's not working. Don't persist with it. Um, they their recruitment has been not strange, but it's very hard to put your finger on it because it's all through the Pozzos um, and Granada and Udinese, etc. Um, so I think that's that's part of the issue because, as I say, this partnership doesn't work. Um, it's not going to get fixed this season. It's going to stick, unfortunately. I don't see why they keep persisting with them when they've got João Pedro on the bench as well, who is a perfectly capable player at this level. He's scored a few goals this season. He's not necessarily been tearing it up, but he's just a young lad. And I'd rather see him get a chance than Dini and Gray, who are both getting on a bit now and <laughs> are not hitting the back of the net as much as they should be. So um, I think Iske Munoz definitely needs to change it. And unless they sign someone in January, just go ahead with Jean Pedro because I'd much rather see him than two ageing strikers who have had better days, haven't they? Right, let's do a quick who knows wins, Justin. This is our league where you can win money by correctly predicting the results of championship games. It's really easy to do. Just download the Who Knows Wins app, join our league, guess the most correct results out of all the games in the championship. The more people involved, the bigger the prize. So we'll quickly run through all the games coming up in the championship this weekend. Justin, we'll start with Reading Bournemouth. Which way you see that one going? Ooh, Bournemouth on a poor run of form, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go towards Reading. I'm going to say draw. Let's go to Norwich Borough. Norwich. It's got to be Norwich, hasn't it? Cardiff Millwall. That's going to be a humdinger, isn't it? Um, draw. I'll, I'll say Cardiff, you know. Blackburn Luton. Blackburn. I think Blackburn as well. I've gone for a lot of home wins so far. Brentford Wickham. <laughs> Brentford. Yeah, I think that's got to be Brentford, hasn't it? Derby Bristol City. Ooh, draw. I'm going to say Bristol City. Chef Wednesday Preston. Oh God, I hate Preston. Um, I don't hate Preston. Sorry, <laughs> they're really hard to nail down. Uh, so I'm going to say draw. I'm going to say Preston. Rotherham Swansea. Swansea. I think Swansea as well. Birmingham Cov. Cov. I'm going to say Birmingham. Draw. 
draw. Well, I mean, it's technically both the homes. Uh, Forest <laughs> Barnsley. Um, mm, uh, I'm going to back Barnsley to get out of this runner form. I will also back Barnsley and Huddersfield Stoke. I'm going to back Huddersfield to get a win. I'm going to say draw. So that's Who Knows Wins. Make sure you join our league to win some big prizes. And yeah, that's pretty much it for us this week. Thank you for listening. Just before we go, I just wanted to say we've had some really nice reviews on Apple Podcasts recently. (laughs) And we encourage them to happen a lot more often. I mean, we we don't usually finish off these episodes with a... us begging you to give us some appraise on an Apple podcast. But when we do get reviews like that, it does go a long way for us, doesn't it, Justin? And we put in a lot of work when it comes to this podcast, don't we? But when we get stuff like that, it helps a lot and also helps us grow as a podcast. So if you could take just a couple of minutes of your day or even just a minute of your day to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or give us a retweet on Twitter, anything like that. It goes a long way for us and we would really appreciate it. So thank you if you do do it. Otherwise, that's it for us, Justin. Final update on your little toe. How is it? It's really sore. I'm really concerned at the moment. I don't obviously have to do anything. So if it's broken, it's broken. Don't have to go anywhere. Um, But ideally, don't want it to be broken. So we'll see. Mm, Fantastic. Put some ice on it. You'll be all right. Well, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Sunday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.